hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Picture it, Palm Springs, California, 20 years in the future. A once young, vivacious, and muscly disco boy turned impressively in shape and well-groomed retiree. The air is hot, the sky blue, the boys tan, the drinks strong. Is this his life in retirement or the trip of a lifetime? Is he enjoying his golden years or getting a taste of what could have been? There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Hey, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to be a part of the in-crowd. Everybody wants to to look good. My my decision was, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally, we don't drink our queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on... Grab a glass of wine, because you're listening to Queer Money with the Dead Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. So, are these truly your golden years, the years that you've always imagined, or are these the years that could have been? Is this the experience that could have been? That's what we're talking about today on this episode of Queer Money. David and I have the fortunate opportunity to join uh, Prudential and their LGBT financial experience tour again in uh, next month in June, June 13th. We're going to be in Newark, New Jersey at their LGBT financial experience symposium talking about what else but queer money. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hot topic these days. Um, And all of this is plays off of a study that Prudential did. Um, They actually did an original study called the LGBT Financial Experience Study in 2012. Then they redid that study, or I guess they did a newer study, um, in 2016, 2017. And those studies have provided a wealth of information that financial professionals, including David and I, use constantly in our writing uh, for debtfreeguys.com as well as other publications uh, about LGBT money. And that's what we're going to be, uh, that's what this whole uh, symposium next month is, is predicated on. And David and I wanted to talk today a little bit about that study, the information that you can glean from it, and how you might be able to use it to, to help you. And of course, we wanted to promote for anybody that's in the tri state area, Newark, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania, and can make it to, uh, to the symposium to, to certainly please join us. Yeah, definitely. I think that the, the key here is we want to help answer the question of how do I compare to my peers when uh, it comes to finances in the LGBT community. And based on what I learn, what can I do or what can I, uh, what kind of improvements can I make? You know, I've said this several times and I'll say it again. The more you know slogan, in my opinion, is a load of bullshit unless you do something with what you know. Knowledge is not power until that power is put into action. Um, Or it's not created until you you put it into action. It's like having the gasoline, but not doing anything with the engine, not putting it in the engine and actually moving it forward. I don't get that metaphor. (laughs) I'm sure you don't. (laughs) But so that's that's the, the reality here with this study is it's Prudential does this not only so that they can learn, but they do it for the millions of queer individuals living in our country so that they can help us achieve 
the financial prosperity and dreams that we all have. And we want to kind of look at some of these interesting topics or interesting uh, uh, statistics in this study. There's a couple that we've picked out, and we think that they really shine a light on the opportunities and the um, maybe some of the challenges that we have as a community. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Prudential's LGBT Financial Experience Initiative and the Debt Free Guys mission, along with our Queer Money podcast, um, have a very symbiotic relationship, so we play off each other very well. And uh, our goal is to help build a stronger queer community. And we believe that the pillars, one of the pillars of that is having strong, financially strong queer individuals. Right. If we're concerned about debt, if we're concerned about retirement, if we're concerned about all these um, extraneous financial concerns, then we can't be focused on fighting for equality or striving for self-actualization. That ultimately is what we're all, all, we're all seeking. Right. And, and when you say self-actualization, really what that means is having a good time because you're truly satisfied with your life and enjoying your life when you're self-actualized. And I think that's what we all strive for is that life of really enjoying ourselves. Well, yes. And, and that's having, a, it's not, feeling that life is truly valuable and that you're able to contribute. Right. Clearly this is not a, um, a good time as in going out to dinner with your friends or having a party or staying up till two o'clock in the morning dancing. It's not that kind of good time. This is the overarching good time of your life. Exactly. Being able to say that 2017 was a, an awesome year because of all of the valuable things that happened to me. Experience that I've done, you've done for people. And, you know, laying on a poolside in Palm Springs might be a, an example of having achieved that self-actualization because you can lay there restfully and blissfully and not be concerned, how am I going to pay off this trip when I get home? Right. Because you might already be home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So um, you pulled out, the other day you pulled out a couple of items that you thought were quite interesting. Um, some, of the, uh, uh, some of the information I hadn't even um, gleaned myself from some of the writing that we do for different publications. So what do you, you want to tackle the first one? Sure. The, fir the first uh, topic that I, I pulled out or item that I pulled out of this study was that marriage equality is simplifying financial lives for the queer community. And when you think about it, there, there, are so there were so many nuanced things that as a community or as couples that we had to deal with. Uh, there's uh, health insurance. Um, it, as domestic partners, does my company support that? Um, does that mean that my my partner can't move to a different job, or I can't move to a different job if uh, if the the company I'm moving to no longer supports domestic partnership, or is there a tax benefit or a tax penalty based on us being domestic partners? Mute point. It's done. If you're married, you're treated just like everyone else. So it has simplified a lot of aspects of our financial relationship with money. Um, and the thing that happens when something simplifies is it becomes much more clear. We all understand that. I mean, it's kind of like when you're looking at a dot-to-dot -dot picture, you know, the one you were a kid and you used to do the dot-to-dot. -dot. You remember the ones where you could look at it and you could basically make an outline. You could see what that picture was without having to even trace the dots. And that's kind of what has happened here with the marriage equality when it comes to our finances is it is a, a much more clear picture. Now, granted, there are still some nuances. Uh, some couples are still having to de determine whether or not they should be married filing jointly or married filing separately. But that's something that our straight counterparts have been dealing with for, well, ever since this, 
stupid tax code came into effect, <laughs> right. they've been having to deal or, or try to uh, figure out what was most advantageous. And now that's something we can do as a community when we avail ourselves of the marriage equality laws. Right. It does seem that right now, even though things have, have simplified, and in part because things have simplified, that the LGBT community, the people who reach out to us and what we read um, online and in publications, the question now is, what does it mean? (laughs) Well, now what? What do I do now? Because we had um, an attorney on a a couple episodes back and she talked about how after marriage equality passed, Liz Schwartz, sorry, um, she said after marriage equality passed, then all of a sudden a whole bunch of LGBT people went out and got married. And then it wasn't until after their wedding that they were like, oh, there are tax consequences or there are tax benefits. How does social security play in all this? Oh, did I take, all of a sudden now I own my partner's debt. I didn't know that. Now mm-hmm. it's now you own whatever debt they had. They brought to the table. So um, it's uh, it's it's important for us to to understand what exactly does marriage mean to our finances as well as other aspects of our lives, and be prepared and make decisions accordingly. Right. As as a matter of fact, we actually had a a, a um, reader for of our blog reach out to us and say, "I'm in this situation, this financial situation. Um, I make money, I make a significant amount of money, and I'm doing well financially. My partner is in debt." What do we do? And the reality is those are the kinds of conversations that we're now starting to have. And instead of saying, well, you've got 40 different options because there literally were so many different options. Now you can say, well, if you decide to get married, these are the things that will happen. Right. And it's great that I get happy every time I get emails like that because at least people are asking the question. Sometimes they ask questions that we don't know the answers to immediately, but at least they're asking the questions and not just diving into into something um, and dealing with the consequences after the fact. So yes, marriage equality is making things more simple, um, which is great, but it's also incumbent upon us to find out exactly what does that mean before we dive into and walk down the aisle. Exactly. One of the other things that really this has helped uh, a lot of individuals in our community or a lot of couples in our community be able to focus on now is that they are now realizing that as a household, they can combine their financial goals and work on them together. Now, granted, a lot of a lot of us were already living together long before and may have had common financial goals. But the nice thing is, is now the laws recognize those common financial goals and benefit us because of those. Yeah, you know, that they they are are benefits to the fact that we are getting married. Social Security benefits, uh, inheritance benefits, and that's one of the things that a lot of couples are really starting to think about now is how do you have a succession plan or or legacy plan for your your money and for your family. I'm saying, you know, we're seeing more and more families with children in the LGBT community, and as parents. We want to make sure that we provide as much as we can or in, in, a, in a beneficial manner for our children while they're with us. But more of us are now thinking about beyond our lives. And what that's a, in my opinion, that's an awesome thing for our community is that we are starting to think much more beyond our here and now, today, or my lifetime. We're starting to think what's going to happen. How can I support causes or my family 100 years from now? Right. Well, and that to me is a step closer to self-actualization. If we have the luxury and the opportunity to just say, okay, how can I help contribute to my family and my community after I'm gone? That That's a great opportunity. And that helps make, strengthen individual families, but it helps 
it can help strengthen the LGBT community to continue to strive for equality and, and get those full rights. Um, you mentioned Social Security. We're going to have a guest on um, Queer Money in a few weeks who's uh, going to talk about the benefits of Social Security that many LGBT, or say, I should say same-sex couples, are leaving on the table, um, and they're leaving anywhere from a couple hundred thousand to millions of dollars on the table because they're not appropriately taking advantage of Social Security. So we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks to so look out for that so that you don't miss out on that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I will say, um, join us, join our Facebook group, the Queer Money Facebook group, so that you get a notice when this uh, this pod, that podcast comes up, because we'll definitely call that out on the Facebook group, that this is one that our community really needs to be paying attention to. Right. And while we're doing invites, and part of the reason that we're doing this episode today, one, to share the information, but also uh, because we want to... Um, inspire, motivate people to come join us at the Prudential LGBT Financial Experience Symposium on June 13th. It is in Newark, New Jersey at Cayo Hall at 655 Broad Street from 6 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. June 13th. And we'll repeat that a couple times and have in the show notes. But if you can make it, that'd be great. If you know anybody that um, is in the area that would be able to make it, that'd be great too. Yeah, definitely pass it along to anyone you know that is in that area. All right, so let's move on to the second point here. And this is one that um, I had to smile at um, because it's uh, it, it's almost a cliche in uh, in our global community, especially here in the United States. I think a lot of us think of this, but I think in the world, this whole idea of the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. And this is a statistic that I think that will maybe not surprise many of us, but it also may impress upon us what some people are doing. So one of the things that was found out in, in the study is that there are now more people in our community who are living at the, and these are the described categories, unable to keep up with my expenses or in the I'm making, making ends meet, but it's a struggle categories. That number increased from 31% to 41%. So 41% of our community is either saying that they are falling behind financially. They're not able to keep up with their expenses or they're struggling to keep and keep up and meet uh, meet their their necess- uh, meet the necessities. At the same time, the top tier of individuals, those individuals who say I'm doing what I want, when I want, where I want, increased from 2% to 15% in just 2 years. So there's there's almost this dichotomy of of what is happening in our community um, breaking apart into this the, the groups of individuals who are struggling as well as those who are able to do more with their money. You mentioned two years. Is that is it between the 2012 and 2016 study? I'm sorry. Or? Yeah, you're okay. right. Four, a four-year difference. <laughs> All right. So, so for those who are struggling a little bit more or trying to make ends meet, we between 2012 and 2016, that increased 10% from 31% to 41%. And for those who are able to sort of live the life of self, of the self-actualized, um, who can do what they want, when they want, where they want, that increased, that community or that group cohort increased from 2% to 15%. So that, that's all 13% increase in, in those four years. Right. Okay. And the thing that I find very interesting about this, and, and like we said at the beginning, some of these statistics are going to surprise us or um, maybe pique our interest. And some of them are ones that we're going, are able to learn from. And I really think that this is one that we can learn from. And the reason I say that is because 
as a community, as a group, as a whole, a lot of us talk about um, our earning power and our income being less than our, our straight counterparts. And as we've seen in a study that was done by Experian, and I think this was done in 2012 as well, that 2011, 2011 that as couples, gay men earn more than their straight counterparts who are part of a couple. As couples, lesbians earn more than their straight counterpart females who are in a relationship. But as individuals, straight man versus gay man, lesbian versus the straight woman, they do earn less. But what it really impresses upon me here in, in this uh, is that there are some people, and evidently a fairly large portion of our community, who seem to be working hard enough to take advantage of the opportunities that they are now being able to say, I'm doing what I want, when I want, where I want. Exactly. I wonder, that's very inter- that is a very interesting s- statistic. I wonder... The question I have is, I, w- I wonder where these people live throughout the country. Right. Um, are are the are the are the people who are doing better, the ones who live in the states or the cities where it's easier to be out in yourself, and those who are struggling or living in states or cities where they still, for to a more or less degree, need to be in the closet. So the study did did do a cross segment all across America, small small towns, all the way to big cities. Um, the study had uh, 1,376 individuals apart who identify. And the, one of the interesting things is they asked the individual that they have to identify as 100% LGBT, that they are out. This is not individuals who are living in a town or a city where they, I, they may not be out and uh, and known that they are gay, so they're actually saying that, or that they're that they're queer. Um, they're asking for individuals who 100% identify as LGBT because they want to make sure that they're kind of separating these two groups. Yeah, trying to keep the study pure. Right, and, and they they really looked at all across the country. They have uh, this. The country is basically broken down into uh, four regions, uh, actually five. No, I'm sorry, four. So Midwest west south and northeast and they took a representative sample from all of those areas so you may be we may be inclined to think okay it's only the successful people who are living in the big cities that are um, are able to take advantage of this and granted that may be the case that there are more opportunities for individuals who are living in some of those places but the study doesn't necessarily break down where it is that the successful people in or these individuals who say that they are doing what they want Financially, it doesn't say where they're living. Gotcha. I think that'd be, that'd be interesting to see if they could maybe add that in a future study. But it does beg the question of why is why is there disparity? I mean, we hold as a community we we tend to be more liberal, and we we argue and talk a lot about how there is a separating of um, those doing well and those who are not doing so well. But here it's happening within our own community, and so it begs the question: Why is that happening? And then what can we do about it? Because as, as somebody who, who thinks about LGBT money constantly, it is concerning. We need to li- lift all boats. We can't just lift um, those whose boats it's, it's easy to lift. We need to lift everybody. So how do we, um, what is, I guess, the, um, 
why are, are those people struggling and how can we how can we help them and how can they help themselves right I think to me one of the, the, the important points uh, from this is that there are individuals in our community who are figuring out how to grow financially whether it's in their careers and how much money they make or the investments that they're making that is allowing them to to reach this point the, one of the interesting things is that in the general population, about 16% of people say that they are doing what they want when they want. And now in our community, it's 15%. So we're catching up to the overall population. And I think what we really need to do is if you find yourself in that category of saying, I'm unable, I'm, I am unable to keep up with my expenses or I'm making ends meet, but I struggle every month. Who are those people that are close to you, near, near, nearby, maybe within your circle of friends or maybe just outside of your circle of friends? Who are those people that are doing something successfully and getting to that point? And how can I learn from them? Mm-hmm. It, and what, we've heard this statistic over and over again that approximately 40% of the queer community is uh, working in retail and service. And that oftentimes means that these are individuals who are maybe capped at their earning potential. And so maybe it's, it's time. have retirement plans. Right. And maybe it's time for us as a community to say, we can do anything we want and not limit ourselves to feeling like we have to operate within a certain industry or certain group. Um, it's time to say, I'm, I'm done with the past. I'm ready to move on to a better future and make those decisions. Uh, granted, <clears throat> excuse me, granted, not everyone can do that easily, but everyone can do that. Everyone can improve at, at some point. Right. That's, um, this isn't my quote, but I don't remember who, who said it, and I apologize. But um, we heard a quote several times before that your circumstances are not a life sentence. And you and I know full well, we came, we got together and brought a lot of limiting beliefs about ourselves, about money and about what we were worth. That manifested itself in our $51,000 worth of credit card debt, which is pretty much how our this whole journey that we're on started. Um, So I would argue that um, while it it is incumbent upon those of us um, who um, have the knowledge and the influence and the resources to help, our community, that it's also those who need the help, it's their responsibility to sort of seek it, seek the help. And that, like you said, is uh, you know, trying to, you know, getting connected with the people who seem to be know, know what they're doing and seem to be um, progressing in their life the way that you might want to progress. And I'll also say, um, you know, we, David and I just did an analysis of our finances um, not too long ago, and a large component of our financial success comes down to our contributions to our 401k. Right, and so you know, we made the comment that a lot of our our community tends to be in retail and service, and those often, not always, are often positions that don't have retirement plans, or the income unfortunately doesn't lend themselves to be able to contribute to those retirement plans. Right, um, and that's why you might want to seek getting into an industry uh, or a career that lends itself to that. And that's part of what we wrote about in Forbes not too long ago. The article we wrote, um, there aren't enough queer people, queer business leaders, and that's a problem. This is part of why it's a problem. We need more queer people to um, to branch out into other industries, to position themselves as, as leaders in those industries, um, not only for 
all of our success, but they're for their individual success and, and so that they can find themselves in their 50s, 60s, and 70s sitting by the pool there in uh, Palm Springs. <laughs> right, which is, uh, which is a kind of, I think, a dream of John and mine. Yeah. that we That's will... our dream. You might want to go to PV or to Fire Island for your retirement. We're going to go to Palm Springs. <laughs> or in the back of a Subaru uh, in the mountains of Colorado or Utah or something like that. Right? Exactly. So one of the interesting things, though, is that uh, th and this last point, what I'm going to dive into is in this study, but John and I, the whole reason that we do this, the whole reason we have our podcast, the whole reason we have our website, and that we provide the plethora of free information that we give is because we want you as an individual to progress. You are the reason why we're doing this. Our financial success is is already apparent. We know that John and I know that we are doing well financially, but we want you to be there too. We want you to join us. You know, one of the things we've said in the past is we want you to join us in building a financially strong queer community because a financially strong queer community is one of the pillars of a strong queer community. If we're distracted by all these financial worries, we can't be dedicating ourselves to giving back to our community, whether it's time or money. Uh, it, it just won't be there. So this last point, um, and and before we go a step further, if you want to meet us to help talk about how you can join <laughs> us on that journey or meet other people who are also of, this, of like minds and trying to help the queer community, join us um, at Prudential's LGBT Financial Experience Symposium, Tuesday, June 13th, 2017, from 6 p.m. to 9.30 at Cayo Hall, 655 Broad Street, Newark, New Jersey. And I'll make another plug or two of that again before <laughs> right. the show's over. Exactly. So one of the things that this study really point, pointed out was that the vast majority of us, <clears throat> especially those individuals who are not in that top category of feeling like they do what they want, when they want, and how they want, um, the individuals who are not in that category are saying that they need and want more knowledge about how to manage their finances, whether it's investing, getting out of debt, planning for retirement, or being able to just cover their expenses so they can take a breath and figure out what the next step is to get better. So that's one of the big things here is that there's, there's uh, a lack of or a desire for more information. Uh, and that's one of the big things that this study brought out was that they, they say, people say that they want more um, and one of the things that it really kind of uh, we want to kind of address here is that more of us, what they really, what these really, uh, what it really means is achieving some of our goals. And the top three things that we bring out here is that we want to be financially independent and not be a burden, a financial burden, either on our families or on our partners as we get older. Um, the other one of the other ones is having enough savings that it will last my lifetime. Um, this is one of the things that our community is is really saying that they absolutely want. And I think one of the big things here is the reason why so many of us know that we want this to have enough money to last a, last a lifetime is as a community, we are aging. There are more of us who are living longer, um, especially 
now that we see that there are treatments for HIV and so many um, men who didn't expect to, men and women who didn't expect to live into their 50s and 60s are now doing so. So we now have this understanding and in some cases maybe a little bit of urgency with that my life is going to last until as long as my grandparents and I need to be prepared for that. Now to that point, I'll, I'll add, Unfortunately, most of the emails that we get when people do finally reach out to us, it's um, it's not because they're in the discovery phase. They just want to figure out how they can how they can improve their financial lives. The, the, that does happen to a percent. Um, predominantly, it's when people reach a critical situation. Either they're so leveraged on debt that they they're either going to file bankruptcy or um, take other drastic means. That's when they reach out to us or they reach out to us when they are they are 55, 60, and now they're finally scared about retirement. So part of this message is trying to inspire you to think about these concerns sooner so that it doesn't become a critical situation because the earlier you start, the easier it is, um, and the more you can, more comprehensively you can plan and strategize. Right. And then the last point of the th these three about what we want financial knowledge about is building or growing an emergency savings account, which John and I think is very interesting. Now, I'll just make a caveat here. All three of these points, being financially independent, not being a burden on our family, and then having enough money and savings to last my lifetime, and then third, or fi finally third, building or growing an emergency savings account, all three of those, 61% or more of the respondents said that they wanted help achieving that. So it's at least two-thirds of people in our community are saying that they want help being able to do these things. And we know from uh, an article that came out, I think it was in 2015, in The Atlantic, where it said that 47% of Americans could not handle a $400 emergency. They just wouldn't have, and that's not just coming up with the cash. They wouldn't have the cash or the credit to be able to handle that emergency. So that's a massive number of people tens of millions and possibly hundreds of millions of people in this country who wouldn't have that uh, be able to do that. Well, obviously, a fair portion of those people are a part of our LGBT community. Right. And part of what that, that Atlantic article highlighted was that the people who had that particular struggle weren't always the people that you assumed it would be. The person who wrote that article was a author and uh, of, of books and movies and lived in lives in Connecticut, uh, or I'm sorry, New Hampshire, um, where you presumably it's predominantly more white, wealthy, educated, um, higher income earning people are. But he was talking about how you would be surprised the quote unquote successful people who couldn't handle that emergency because even most of Americans are living beyond their means, right. regardless of what their income bracket is. That most of us are living beyond our means. Um, so if if you if you are one of those people who says you're struggling from month to month, um, don't be don't think that you're in an isolated situation. People who seemingly have more and are an easier life um, are also having similar struggles. Right. Yeah. It, and it, it kind of really highlights to me this um, this whole idea of uh, taking a look at where your finances are. Um, <clears throat> So many people who live paycheck, excuse me, live paycheck to paycheck, are doing that because of the financial choices that they've made. They've chosen to purchase a particular home, buy a particular car. The example of the the man who wrote the article in Atlantic, 
he was sending his kids to private school. And he said, he realized there are some choices that I've made, financial choices that I've made that are preventing me from actually getting myself stable financially. And I need to maybe rethink or look again at some of those choices. It's very interesting. A couple of uh, previous Queer Money episodes ago, we had Todd Tresseter on from The Financial Mentor. And he talked about how his kids go to um, a school. I don't know. I don't think it was private. But they go yeah, to no, it's a private it's private school. Um, but he didn't say what kind of cars he and his wife drive. But he said they're not special. I got the impression that there might be Hondas or Jettas or you know something. Pretty he did say a minivan, basic <laughs> or simple. Um, but everybody else in the school, all the other parents drive BMWs and Audis and you know the, the Escalades. Um, but when the t- school raised tuition, so many kids had to drop out because the five or ten percent increase in tuition was too much for a lot of these can't these these families who had Escalades and Mercedes for them to withstand. And he said, We drive these basic cars that are paid off and we go on three month long vacations a year, whereas these families don't. Their their entire life is is based on the cars and the houses that they own. And David and I are, are, are prime examples of that. You know, all of our financial mistakes were of our own making. We were living way beyond our means, and we know that, and there are, there are reasons why that why that was the case, but we couldn't blame anybody else but ourselves. Um, and so it, it, it's interesting, um, you know, the information that you're providing here, it's um, it's inspiring though, because it does, it does show that people are thinking about it, it is top of mind, um, and now they just need to find the resources to do, to get the help that they need. And Prudential is obviously a resource for people to consider, and Debt Free Guys, is obviously inquiry money is it is another resource. I'll add to that, get off my soapbox. Um, if you go to debt free guys forward slash talk, we have about twelve bits of free information and resources for people to help them with their financial situation. So um, if you want a list of free resources you can go there. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. We'll also link to this study in the show notes because there is a ton of information, very interesting information in the study. One of the ones that we always like to point out is the categories that we as gay men versus lesbians, the categories that we spend our money in, which I think is is um, not necessarily surprising, but it's kind of it's a kind of a reminder. There's a reason why cliches exist. Right. It's kind of a reminder of who we are and how we operate. So. We definitely would encourage you to check out the study and we'll just go jump back to it again. If you're in the, the Newark, New Jersey area or tri-state New York area, or Pennsylvania. right, exactly. Um, we ask uh, or encourage you to join us. So if you have to be in the tri-state area on June 13th, whether New York, New Jersey or Pennsylvania, or you know someone who is and who benefit from this, please join yourself or have them join us at Cayo Hall at 655 Broad Street, Newark, New Jersey. Tuesday, June 13th, 2017, from 6 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. It's sure to be a fun, lively event. Right. And de- definitely, the, the, we're going to have a whole discussion. We'll, we'll be a part of, John and I are doing a fireside chat, and there's going to be a panel there talking about the opportunities of the community. Um, John and I will be giving away signed copies of our book. <laughs> free. <laughs> yep, free. And uh, there will be some food and drink and uh, lively discussion. So we'd love to see you, have you join us. If you're not able to make it, you're not going to be there, make sure you follow us on social media leading up to the event. And afterwards, we'll be posting on uh, on our Debt Free Guys Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts of uh, uh, various things that we've done as a part of the event. Exactly. And we, we ask you, just please engage. If you're able to come to the event, great. Um, provide your voice. If, if you can come to that or you can't, you can engage with us on social media. 
Let us know how you relate to the study and, and what information or resources you could use. Um, let us know what uh, struggles you might have or successes that you might have that we might not be considering. Because our goal is to help as many people as possible. Um, and we understand that we can kind of very often get in a bubble and, and think quite myopically. And we um, look to you to help challenge our thinking so that we can reach more people. Exactly. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Queer Money. Yeah. And... Maybe someday you'll be the guy or woman sitting by the pool, enjoying happily ever after. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us for this week's Queer Money. Once again, the three key points from the Prudential study that we highlighted were, first, marriage equality is simplifying our financial lives. So take advantage of the simplification and start using it to your advantage to improve your financial lives. Second, even in our own LGBT community, the rich are getting richer. If you find yourself in the group that is falling behind or struggling, look to those who are a success and start to mimic or even reach out to them for guidance on how you can improve your financial situation. Remember, the effort and the change will be worth it. And then third, LGBT respondents in the Prudential study overwhelmingly say that they need and want more information and experiences in order to tackle their financial goals. Please use us as a resource and feel free to email us or contact us via social media with any questions that you may have, and we'll do our best to give you the answer or provide you with a resource that can help you give, get more information. Thanks again, have a great week, and remember to live debt-free, have fun, and be money conscious. Okay. We just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. <laughs> <laughs> it would help me if I had a personal chef made all me all my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the other end, I like the butts, so... <laughs> yeah. uh, From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.